are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock here with you post-Super Bowl edition, rapid react to Super Bowl 52. We have a new champion in the NFL, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles, their first ever Lombardi Trophy. Uh, They brought it home, beating the New England Patriots 41-33. So my takeaways from that game, and then some news about Jimmy Garoppolo's contract as well. I want to remind you guys, going to do a little Tuesday mailbag, so hit me up on Twitter at BD Peacock, get those mailbag questions in, or via email, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. You can subscribe, rate, review the show on iTunes. We're also on Spotify. You can find this podcast everywhere that you can find podcasts, and head on over to LockedOn49ers.com for other content, articles, draft, free agency, all kinds of stuff this offseason, as well as the streams of the podcast. And let's start with Jimmy G. Some big, well, not really big news, I guess, because there's no deal imminent or done necessarily. But from Ian Rappaport via NFL.com, he said, quote, long-term contract extension negotiations between Garoppolo and the 49ers have gained significant momentum and a deal could get done in the near future. Sources informed of the situation said. Went on to say there's work to be done over the next several days, but sources said the optimism coming from the organization has been warranted the deal is expected to pay Garoppolo in the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks. So I wonder if the trade from uh, the the Washington trade for Alex Smith did anything because Smith restructured his contract. So I wonder if that Smith deal had anything to do with something that, that kind of triggered something for Garoppolo and his people and, and made more sense as far as negotiations go and dollars go. Because if he does sign before Cousins signs, then that'll be slightly surprising to me. Um, And we'll see what Cousins ultimately gets. But right now, I think the 49ers are still negotiating more against the franchise tag than anything else because that's a number that they can lock in. So they know if they want to, they can pay him $23 million in 2018. And so I I think that's the number one thing the 49ers are negotiating against, but obviously would rather have a long-term deal done so it doesn't become a Kirk Cousins situation. And of course, uh, you know, Garoppolo knows all these things and and they have some some leverage as well. But uh, it's going to be interesting and, and good news. And everything's been positive in this whole thing with, with contract talks with Garoppolo and his agent in the 49ers. And, and we heard earlier this week, or last week, I guess, uh, John Lynch, you know, and he was optimistic about that contract. So it sounds like things are going well. And so hopefully we'll have some news maybe as soon as this week about Jimmy Garoppolo and an extension with the San Francisco 49ers. So going into the Super Bowl, there were some awards and Hall of Fame announcements that happened on Saturday before the game got going on Sunday. And congratulations to Terrell Owens, former 49ers wide receiver. The wait is over. Been snubbed for a couple years. He's officially going to be a member of the Hall of Fame. And the 49ers might even have a chance to play in that Hall of Fame game next summer to start off. And it's probably not something they want to do, adding a fifth preseason game to the schedule, but the 49ers might be able to, uh, to to have a part in that game in Canton, Ohio, in the Hall of Fame game. Another former 49ers wide receiver for a very short time, Randy Moss, also a member of the Hall of Fame. Uh, Brian Erlacher, Ray Lewis, Brian Dawkins all went in, all very deserving players to be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, the one for 49ers fans that I think a lot of people were like, what the heck, 
was uh, Terrell Owens. And so now he's in. And there's going to be some very <laughs> between Owens and Randy Moss and Ray Lewis. There's going to be some very and Brian Dawkins, by the way, an intense individual. Uh, there's going to be some some interesting speeches going on at the Hall of Fame ceremonies when uh, those guys are inducted later. It kicks off the NFL preseason schedule at the end of the summer. But this is not, you know, that's not my thing. Hall of Fame is, yeah, whatever. The, it's the, it's, it's for the riders. It's not for me. The, the museum's there, which is great. And uh, same thing with the Baseball Hall of Fame. There's this huge uh, circle jerk is what I call it. It's it's ridiculous. And it's the, the riders being self-important. And no offense to the, uh, like, I you no know, offense to the riders. And, and I get what they do. But it's just like, it's not mine. My Hall of Fame is my own personal thing that lives in my heart, you know? So uh, Will Clark is a first ballot hall of famer to me. He'll never sniff the real hall of fame, but uh, that, that's kind of the thing that, that matters to me. I, I don't get caught up in all this conversation, all the arguments about, Oh, who got snubbed? Who belongs in the hall? Who doesn't? What should the criteria be? I don't care. The museum's there. The important stuff is in the museum. You know, Pete Rose and Barry Bonds there in the baseball hall of fame. Um, there's, there's stuff from the 49ers that, you know, Roger Craig's got stuff in the hall of fame and, you know, the first 1000, 1000, running back and and he deserves to be in the hall of fame. Will he ever get in? I have no idea. And and I don't care because it's not, I don't vote for it. And it's, it's, it's just not for me. It's, that's not an argument I'm, I'm into because I just don't care about it. You know, Uh, Roger Craig's legacy was cemented, you know, same with Terrell Owens. Uh, Those guys' legacies were cemented to me a long time ago. That's really what matters. And that's what should matter to 49ers fans. But uh, so, yeah, Anyways, no more Hall of Fame talk from me here today, but congratulations to those people who did get voted into the Hall of Fame. And uh, the, the NFL Awards, there were some interesting ones given out. And this was a tweet by Adam Schefter, which uh, was, which I knew, but kind of the, the way he put it in so, sort of surprised me a little bit. Uh, he said, Yunepro Serra High School in San Mateo, California, now has produced the only two men to win MVPs in their 40s, Tom Brady and Barry Bonds. I mean, I knew they both went to school there. I knew they were both in their 40s doing great things in their respective leagues. But, wow, the only two men to ever win MVPs in their 40s, Tom Brady and Barry Bonds, graduated from the same high school, San Mateo, California. Uh, that same school, by the way, also produced former Super Bowl MVP and wide receiver for the Steelers, Lynn Swan. So thanks for that nugget of information, Adam Schefter. He's always good for a nugget or two a week uh, that, that that seems to make the show. Uh, so this show is going to be all about the Super Bowl, I think, from here on out. And here's my rapid react from Super Bowl 52. Man, and the scene in Philadelphia, already stuff lit on fire. Uh, there's a horse that went missing, apparently a police horse, but that might have been a joke. But there was a video I saw online of an Eagles fan literally eating crap off the ground, like that's what's going on in Philadelphia <laughs> as of Sunday night. Um, a literal piece of horse crap this dude ate off the ground. Not even joking. Uh, probably the type of scene you would expect from Philadelphia sports fans and the Eagles winning their first ever Super Bowl. They did win an NFL championship in 1960 that was pre-Super Bowl era stuff. So their first ever Lombardi Trophy, Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl champs beating the New England Patriots 41-33. More on Patriots legacy and dynasty stuff uh, maybe later. Uh, maybe that'll be for tomorrow's show because I did get some good uh, 
questions on the mailbag for that stuff. So, by the way, get keep those uh, mailbag questions coming in for Tuesday's episode and for Winky Wednesday as well. We'll hit some cover three questions there. Uh, takeaway number one from Super Bowl 52 to me was total yards. This was like one of those four-hour college football games, Big 12, uh, Baylor versus Oklahoma State, spread offenses on Saturday that last for you know just a marathon game. 1,151 total yards combined. 538 from Philadelphia's offense. 613 from New England's offense. Most yards ever in a Super Bowl or any other game in NFL history. Most yards ever in Super Bowl 52. 1,151 yards. One punt. Was there really only one punt in the entire game? The Patriots are the first ever team to not punt in a Super Bowl, and they lost 613 yards. Tom Brady passed for 500 yards. They didn't punt a single time, and they lost that football game. That is berserk. The Eagles are the first team to ever win a football game in NFL history, not just Super Bowls, where they gave up 600 yards of offense to the other team. Just an insane game. When it comes to total yards and offense and how that all went down. That, that was nutty. Um, one of my takeaways here, I want to go to 221 left in the fourth quarter. I mean, this was just, okay, here we go, right? That was the feeling. Well, here it is. Patriots getting the ball back, 221 in the fourth quarter. One timeout. Eagles had a five-point lead at that point after that Zach Ertz touchdown. Then all of a sudden, wait, what? What just happened? Tom Brady fumbled. Brandon Graham Knocks the ball away from Tom Brady. Bounces right into Derek Barnett's arms. And you're like, no. Oh, my God. are they, can, is that, That's it? That's it, right? Because are, are they going to get the ball back? And they ended up getting the ball back one more time, going for the Hail Mary, and even that ball bouncing around the end zone. It's like, oh, my God, are they going to do this even more insane? Uh, but, no, it wasn't meant to be. The, the Patriots were not that team this time. They did not come back and win that football game. But – that Eagles defensive line, that's the point that, that I want to drive home here, is they kept coming. Finally got to Brady late in the fourth quarter. Just a massive play. Uh, Brandon Graham was dying after the game. He was being interviewed on the field. He was huffing and puffing, could hardly get a sentence out. And that just goes to show you, when you talk, when we're talking about prospects especially, like, oh man, this guy's got a great motor. That right there is what you want. And that I think... Of all the stuff that went down in this game, all the yards, and you know Nick Foles, such a great story. But Brandon Graham, fourth quarter, he can't even breathe anymore. He needs an oxygen mask, and he kept coming, kept coming. They couldn't get to Brady. He finally gets to Brady with two minutes and nine seconds left in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Finally gets to him. That's motor right there. Uh, to me... If I'm giving out game balls for this game, my first game ball goes to Brandon Graham because that was massive. That was the play of the game. That was massive. And so uh, props to him and props to them. The the Eagles, they kept coming, man, and they kept fighting in that football game. (laughs) So, yeah, after that, the Jake Elliott 46-yard field goal put the Eagles up by eight, so then 58 seconds. And that kind of happened too quickly. The, The Eagles... 
there uh who's I can't I don't remember who the receiver was that caught a pass on the left sideline went out of bounds like what are you thinking dude you got to get down in this situation it's a Super Bowl you gonna give it back to Tom Brady again he's not gonna fumble this time 58 seconds uh they tried the Hail Mary to Gronk uh, it was not to be the ball hit the turf game over and the Eagles were victorious this game was crazy from an offensive perspective especially in the beginning all the all the offense early was slow developing long plays, double moves, misdirection plays. Both quarterbacks were targeted as receivers in the passing game. That in, that incompletion to Tom Brady, by the way. So this is, let me put, Tom Brady, when he was running and kind of does that little jump and, and doesn't come down with that catch. Am I the only one that thought he looks like a super slow white version of Randy Moss? Because of the, the the body type and the strides, you know, Randy Moss looked like a Clydesdale. He'd have those. Uh, he just had like long legs and looked almost goofy, but he would be flying. But he'd have these long legs and big feet, and he looked like a Clydesdale striding down the field. Brady kind of looked like that in the weirdest way possible, because he was like a super slow motion version of that. Uh, some people I was watching the game with, and some of them, you know, kind of casual fans or don't really watch football at all. They're like, why is he running so slow to catch that? And they're not used to seeing slow people trying to catch footballs. And I was like, I was trying to explain to him. I was like, yeah, that's just how fast he goes. That's it. I mean, Tom Brady, love Tom Brady, best quarterback of all time probably. But dude was slow when he was 22 years old at the combine running. You know, he ran like a 5'3", or something like that. And now he's 40. So, <laughs> you know, Tom Brady is not a fast mover. He kind of had to throw that ball in the right spot, and uh, there was so much room in front of Brady to run after he caught it, and there was room on the inside the way he was turning, and he kind of had to go a little bit back over his shoulder to the right side, and I think that was a little bit too tough for Brady, who's obviously not uh, much of a receiver. But um, am I insane? Tell me, please. Hit me up at BD Peacock on Twitter email. Am I insane thinking that Brady looked like some weird, super slow version of Randy Moss. Just body type, the long legs, the 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 Clydesdale. You know, the all white, um, the white socks and white shoes. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Where are we at here? Matt Patricia, new head coach of the Detroit Lions. That can be official now that the Super Bowl is over. Uh, that Matt Patricia is about to be a head coach because of he's because he's a defensive mind and a defensive coordinator. He just gave up more points than anybody ever has or more yards than anybody ever has in a Super Bowl with his defense. The New England defense gave up 538, well, not the second most, the, the, that defense gave up 538 yards. And that New England defense has not been good all year. You go to DVOA, the football outsider stat, uh, all-encompassing defensive uh, metric there. The, the Patriots were second to last defensively on the year. So Matt Patricia, good job, man. Now you're a head coach. Uh, and if your quarterback, Tom Brady, your team does not punt a single time. Your quarterback throws for 500 yards. You throw another 100 plus yards rushing on top of that. 600 yards of offense and you lose that game. Uh, Matt Patricia, man. I don't know if I'm hiring that guy to be my head coach. Uh, losing Patricia... Losing Josh McDaniels for the Patriots. When you watch this game and you see all that go down the way it happened, it doesn't matter. Josh McDaniels, who cares? 
Matt Patricia, not a problem. It doesn't matter. As long as Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are still on their game and still around, and yeah, Brady's going to be 41, Belichick's not young either, it's going to end at some point, but they're going to be competing for a Super Bowl again next year, man. It doesn't matter who the, the coordinators are. Uh, it will end, but probably not before January, February of 2019. I don't know how far they'll go. It doesn't mean they're going to win a Super Bowl every year, but they're going to be in competition again until Brady hangs them up. And even old Brady, if he does start to decline, it's going to be better than a lot of quarterbacks, you know, unless he just completely flat falls off a cliff, which is also entirely possible. And uh, that's really where the Garoppolo stuff comes in. And a lot of people, there's going to be some hand-wringing in New England, I think, especially since they lost the Super Bowl about uh, whether or not that Garoppolo move was the right move. And it was going to be that way anyway. But when you win the Super Bowl, I think you kind of gloss over some things. So it, it might uh, make something like that be a little bit more glaring. But uh, the Patriots are definitely going to be looking at quarterback this offseason and looking for someone behind Brady once again because he outlasted the last guy. <laughs> uh, speaking of outlasting people, I think Tom Brady's going to outlast Rob Gronkowski in New England. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, by the way, Philly did a great job on Gronk. He, there was someone on him all the time. He he had no separation, uh, and there was a ton of other receivers that were getting lots of separation for uh, for the Patriots against the Eagles defense. They were especially targeting Jalen Mills quite a bit. But, uh, man, Gronk is so beat up. He just wasn't moving right to begin with, and, and that guy's dealt with a ton of injuries in his career. He's got that big brace on his left arm. That guy's body has been through hell, and he's coming off that uh, AFC Championship game concussion. He didn't look right to me in this game, and then they asked him about retiring after the game, and he was kind of like he didn't really squash that. So, yeah, man, I wouldn't be surprised at all if if Tom Brady outlasts Gronk in New England, and, and I wouldn't even be all that shocked if Gronkowski called it quits. That guy's body has paid the price, and you could really see it on Sunday. The most questionable thing with the Patriots in this game was Malcolm Butler. He was sick during the week, but cleared to play. wasn't on the injury report or anything, um, and he didn't play. He played on special teams, had zero snaps in the game. This is Malcolm Butler, soon to be free agent. People think he's going to get a lot of money in the offseason. A lot of 49ers fans have asked me about Malcolm Butler possibly being a 49er, and we'll push that aside for a moment. But Malcolm Butler had the most snaps for the Patriots defense in 2017, played zero in the Super Bowl. And according to him, he was ready to go. Um, No disciplinary stuff, you know, didn't get weird throughout the week, which tends to happen to at least one player every season before the Super Bowl. Um, Didn't break curfew or anything. Bill Belichick said it wasn't. Uh, it, it was just a coaching decision. It wasn't disciplinary. You just got torched. You just lost the Super Bowl. Couldn't stop a backup quarterback at all. They put up 538 yards on you, and the guy who logged the most snaps for you at cornerback didn't play in the game where you couldn't cover anybody. That is something that we're going to hear about for a while, and they have not sufficiently answered that question to me. If I'm a Patriots fan, I am pissed about that because that makes zero sense whatsoever. And Butler, after the game, was pretty upset. He was caught up to uh, with, with some reporter in the uh, locker room. I'm not sure who the reporter was, but the quote was, he says, they gave up on me. F it. 
It is what it is. I don't know what it was. I guess I wasn't playing good or they didn't feel comfortable. I don't know, but I could have changed that game. And I totally agree. They were getting torched. He's a good, he's one of your best players. Put him out there, man. Uh, that that was that was a head scratcher, and I think we're going to have to hear a lot more about that. Uh, moving on, one takeaway: Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. That's not something I thought I was going to hear, uh, even as of a couple weeks ago, and especially not to start the football season. And this is what Eagles fans sounded like marching through the streets. I'm not going to transcribe it for you, but I think you might be able to understand how Eagles fans felt after they won the Super Bowl about Mr. Nick Foles. Yeah, that was uh, that was the scene post-game in Philly. Nick Foles is now a folk hero in Philadelphia um, and absolutely deserves Super Bowl MVP. That wasn't a situation where, you know, the defense carried a mediocre quarterback to a Super Bowl. That was uh, their defense could stop nothing. And they had been leaning on their defense all season. But in this game, it, that's not what happened. And so Nick Foles legitimately went out there, won a Super Bowl, and deserved Super Bowl MVP. Early on in the game, Alshon Jeffrey, he was trying to take the game over. He was catching everything. Um, Zach Ertz making plays down the stretch. Corey Clement, that was a great uh, touchdown catch. He was their leading receiver on offense. Uh, but again, Brandon Graham, man, with the motor that would not quit, he might get my MVP in that game. And really, Doug Peterson, man, what an unbelievable job he's done as head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles this season. And as good as that Philly defense was this year, you, you can't say they leaned on Jim Schwartz and that D on Sunday. So, um, yeah, great job, Doug Peterson and Nick Foles. But I still maintain <laughs> that Doug Peterson's visor, I mean, the visor is a bad look, man. That's straight up. I thought we were almost getting done with with the head coaches with visors, but no, they're bringing it back. And then now we've got Josh McDaniels, who's going to go the visor thing, I'm sure, when he gets his head coach job, which looks like it's going to be with the Indianapolis Colts. Good coach, bad look, Doug Peterson. You got to ditch that, man. You got to ditch. You got to be a professional, man. You got to ditch that. Oh, God. I'd rather, I think the hoodie and like the cutoff sleeves is a way better look than Doug Peterson's visor. And I wonder if John Gruden's going to go back to the visor, too. It's been a while for him. Let's see. Um, Doug Peterson, by the way, getting praised by everybody post-game, and rightfully so, for being aggressive. But remember one year ago, Kyle Shanahan getting crushed for being too aggressive and not just trying to sit on the lead against that very same New England Patriots. So just goes to show you, um, you know, the ball bounces one way here or there, and all of a sudden you're a genius because you're aggressive instead of being a goat because you're aggressive. Tom Brady. Speaking of GOATs, a lot of discussion, a lot of debate about who the GOAT QB is. Greatest quarterback of all time. And Brady just lost his third Super Bowl. Remind me again how many Super Bowls Joe Montana lost? You know, does that change his legacy for anybody? Does that change the debate? A 5-3 and three Super Bowl record versus a 4-0 and oh Super Bowl record. I want to know. I'm going to throw that out to you guys. I, I, want, I want to hear how you guys feel about that. I already have one question about that on tomorrow's show, so we'll get back more into that stuff on Tuesday. You know what? I want to end on this takeaway from the Super Bowl. Takeaway number 10, and a fitting number 10 takeaway, Jimmy Garoppolo. He will officially not get his third straight Super Bowl ring in next year's Super Bowl.
All right, I'm going to leave that there for you guys. And uh, yeah, hit me with those mailbag questions for Tuesday's episode. going to have a winky Wednesday. And then I think possibly be talking to Mr. Matt Waldman, talking draft on Thursday's show. Not 100% if I'm going to get to him this week or next week, but hopefully have him coming up very soon on Locked On 49ers. Yeah, hit me at BD Peacock on Twitter or via email LockedOn49ers. Subscribe, rate, review the show. Tell a friend, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked On 49ers.